This is How Did I Get This Far, a podcast tackling the basic skills and knowledge that we all completely missed learning. Soon enough, you'll stop having to ask yourself, how did I get this far? On this episode, wait, each Major League Baseball team plays 162 games a season? It's time to find out, how did I understand baseball this far? In addition to basic skills, there is a lot of basic knowledge that we haven't really learned. Have you ever found yourself stuck in a group conversation about something you know nothing about? Maybe it was about a sport. Well, this episode, we will cover all the bases of baseball. Speaking with me about America's national pastime is my guest, Billy Ryan. He currently works in baseball operations as a professional scout for the Atlanta Braves. He also worked as the assistant general manager for the Arizona Diamondbacks and was previously a senior coordinator of labor relations in the commissioner's office for Major League Baseball. He also even played varsity baseball as a catcher at Davidson College, so he knows a bit about baseball. Billy, you are now up to bat. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course. So why baseball? What is the story behind the success that you've had with baseball? Sure. Yeah. So I I grew up in New England outside of Boston. So like every kid in that area grew up kind of a rabid Red Sox fan. It's, It's become a big part of the culture and and uh, my dad played in college, and so it's always been a big part of my life. I grew up playing Little League and kept that going through high school and then was able to go on and play in college. And it's always been a big part of my life. It's always been something I'm passionate about. And I had aspirations of playing professionally at one point, and once I realized that wasn't probably going to work out for me, I, I had to figure out another way to maybe stay in the game. And that's, um, that's really the path I've been on ever since. So it was without a question you needed to work in baseball. It was a matter of what you were going to do in baseball. Yeah, it was it was certainly something that I had to give it a shot. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people that would love to work in the game, and you kind of have to earn your stripes and get in there however you can, and internships and entry-level things, and it's fortunate that it's worked out. That's, that's great. Well, congrats still on your success <laughs> in baseball. Yeah, um, but it makes sense that you say, you know, a lot of people want to work in baseball or especially be a player. I was actually watching a game the other day to try to, you know, get myself ready for this interview. One of the players goes up to bat and my dad says, do you know that player makes like $33 million a year? And then he strikes out. He gets three strikes where he misses the ball and therefore he has done absolutely nothing for the game. And yet he is making millions and millions of dollars. So I'm like, dad, why? He's like, well, you know, the normal average is you only hit about 30% of the balls thrown at you. And he's like, yeah, it's one of the only occupations where if you do 30% of your job right, you make millions of dollars. Yeah, no, your dad's your, your dad's spot on with that. I mean, there's not too many professions you can say that about. You're not going to want to, you know, go to a surgeon that's only, uh, you know, performing successfully 33% of the time. But um, yeah, there's guys that not just get millions of dollars. If you, you know, just as a hitter, if you're successful 33% of the time, you're going to wind up uh, and you do that for a long enough period of time, you're going to wind up in the Hall of Fame. That's one of the all time greats. So it's a it's a game of failure. You know, it's it's one that you learn as a player early on that. Um, you know, you can do everything right and uh, it's still not going to work out in your favor sometimes. And so, you know, that, that carries over sort of in, in, into what I do as well. Obviously, if if it's a game of failure for players, the guys that are out there performing, trying to evaluate those players, um, you know, you're going to be wrong some of the time as well. But yeah, it's definitely a game of failure more so than other sports. And um, you just have to be able to sort of get over that quickly. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll definitely be going more into the details of stats and what it's like being in the MLB. But we'll start with uh, just seeing where my knowledge is at. That that pretty much covered it, what I just said with that one statistic. So uh, <laughs> what are some questions that you have for me to see where my knowledge on baseball is so far? 
Okay, so uh, I wanted to keep this relatively basic and, and focused around the, the structure of the league, so to speak. So there are two different leagues within Major League Baseball. Can you name either of them? So I'm going to use the one thing I know about football, that there's like the National and the American Leagues, yeah, something. That is correct. So it's the American League and the National League, you're right. Wow. Oh, I feel good now. I think you're. I think you're sandbagging me a little bit on that one, but yeah, you uh, you're right. American League and the National League. And so then the follow up question to that is, what is the biggest difference between those two leagues? So again, I'm going to use my same one thing I know about football and assume that it's just the teams are split in half of all the different states. I don't know how they're divided. Um, I think somebody just picked it out of a jar, like put all the names in a jar, and then just was like, okay, this is the American and this is the National. Have fun. Right. Yeah. Not quite, but there, there are uh, the American League and the National League both are sort of dispersed geographically. So they're coast to coast. They're, they're cut up in, into different divisions within the leagues. For example, there's an American League East. Uh, there's an American League Central, and American League West, and then the same thing for the National League. But the biggest difference between those two leagues, for our purposes, I'll pretend like we're talking in 2019. But uh, <laughs> the biggest difference between the American and National League is the American League has what's called a designated hitter, where that's one of the positions in the lineup where the player literally does not take the field. He only hits when it's his turn to, to uh, get to bat. And then in the National League, the pitcher has to hit. So there are nine spots in every lineup, but in the National League, the pitcher actually gets up and hits in the National League, whereas the American League, there's someone who essentially hits for the pitcher. So typically, uh, you play most games within your, your league. Right. There is inter, interleague play where they do play each other, but the rules at that point come into play are whoever is the home team. So if you're playing in a National League park, if the Braves are playing the Yankees, for example, in Atlanta, the National League rules would apply to the lineups. And so the Yankees pitchers would have to hit in that game. And vice versa, if we were playing in New York instead of Atlanta, then we would have a designated hitter and our pitchers would not have to hit. Uh, the same applies in the World Series. The winner of the American League plays the winner of the National League, and same rules apply as far as whoever is home field advantage. Their their league rules apply to the game. So in the National League, you know the pitcher will typically bat. There are nine spots in a lineup, and typically the pitcher will bat last because he's the worst hitter on that team. Because is that like a standard rule? Like if you're a really good pitcher, you're probably a really bad batter. Well, typically, yeah. Uh, a, a overwhelming majority of pitchers are not good hitters because they're. Their job really is, is obviously to, to focus on the pitching side of the game, and their responsibility is, is really not to be a good hitter. So it's tough. Hitting's tough when you practice it all the time. So obviously when you're not practicing it all the time, it becomes even more challenging. So uh, typically the pitchers will hit last in the lineup. And so, you know, the first eight hitters get up to play. The, the, the uh, position players get to bat. And then by the time that the ninth spot rolls around, it's time for the pitcher of the National League to get up there and try to – Give it a crack. So that's the biggest uh, difference between the two leagues. Um, I got to say, I'm already shocked with how much I've learned because I planned on us just talking about, oh, there's three strikes and four balls. And that would be like the extent of what I learned today. So, Well, you're right about that. There are, there are both three <laughs> strikes and four balls. So you already have that knowledge. Well, let's continue into more basics then. Let's, let's start at the beginning. Okay. We can start with just the general structure of the game. I know there's obviously a lot of little caveats, but just the general rule and structure of the game of baseball. How would you describe that? Sure. So there are, there are nine innings typically in a game, uh, and they are, an inning is divided up into two half innings. And the, uh, the home team will take the field first. So the visiting team gets to bat in the top of the first inning, as they call it. 
The second half of that inning is called the bottom of the inning. You have three outs, and the top of the first inning, the visiting team will get up there, and you know until they're until three outs recorded, they stay out there and try to score as many runs as they can, and then you know they flip flop, and and the visiting team will take the field, and the home team gets the bat. So you sort of go through that iteration uh, nine times, and uh, if the home team is winning, there will not be a, a bottom of the ninth played because they already have the lead, but there are no ties. Typically in baseball, um, there have been some exceptions, but generally speaking, you just you play until somebody wins. So there have, there have been some marathon games that have gone, you know, 18, 20 innings. And typically a game's about three hours. Games have gone five, six, seven hours because that's sort of the sort of the romantic beauty of it in my mind of, of baseball is there's no sort of there's no clock. So it, it goes as, as long as it has to. So that's the general structure. Uh, there's nine players in a lineup at one time. There's different positions. And so you're talking about when the defense and they're out in the field, the, yep. the field, right? We Correct. Yeah, in the field. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're talking about the nine players that are out there. Is there also, is there normally like nine players lined up to hit the ball? Correct. Yeah. So the same nine players that will take the field will then be, when it's their, their turn to hit, those same nine players will then be the hitters for that game. So typically there's um, 25 players in a roster. Roughly split, split evenly uh, between pitchers and hitters. There's usually 12 or 13 pitchers on a, on a staff, and, and uh, the rest are position players. So this, the, the nine guys that are out there playing a position will then come in when it's their turn to hit, and they'll be designated a spot in the lineup, one through nine, where they hit, and they stay in that order throughout the entire game. And obviously substitutions can be made, and if you're going to take, you know, take out your center fielder, whoever you put in in the center field spot will then take his spot in the lineup when it's time to hit and also play the same position defensively typically. Gotcha. Oh, well, let's go more into the positions since you started naming some of them. Uh, I remember once upon a time when I had a boyfriend that was a big Yankees fan, I memorized the starting lineup for him, but now I don't remember even the positions names. Uh, so can you just go uh, through all of those? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So there's a pitcher and there's a catcher. Uh, that's typically where most of the action of a game takes place is sort of that showdown between pitcher and hitter and catcher uh they're sort of in the center of the field uh and then going sort of uh counterclockwise right to left uh it's first base second base shortstop and third base on the infield and then reversing it's left left field center field and right field in the outfield so those are the defensive positions and then in the american league there's a there's a designated hitter as well which doesn't play a position in the field but it's a designated lineup spot got it Okay, well then let's also go into more specifics of the game. So you said there's three outs. Um, the outs, I assume, are just strikes, and also when the ball is caught before you hit the base. Right? So yeah, so there's there's a lot of different ways to make an out. So um, okay. you touched on three out, three strikes. So as as a hitter, you get three strikes. So a strike is when you swing and miss at the ball, or if the pitcher is able to throw it over the plate in what's called the strike zone. So it's sort of an imaginary box. Uh, if the pitcher can throw it in that box uh, and you don't swing, it's also a strike. So you get three of those. Uh, if you get three, you're out. That's one out. Uh, other ways you can make an out is you can hit the ball uh, on the ground. A fielder picks the ball up, throws it to the first baseman, who then steps on first base. Uh, before you touch the base as a runner, uh, you're out then. Uh, or if you hit the ball in the air and it's caught by any fielder, uh, in fair or foul ground, you're also out. Okay. And then we'll do the more positive end, actually scoring. So um, I guess runs is the yep. baseball term for it. Correct. So uh, can you just go off, uh, go over the different runs? 
Yeah. So there are, uh, there are four bases, essentially it's home plate is where you start as a hitter. Uh, there's first base, second base, third base, and then you come back home. It's called a diamond, you know, baseball diamond. So it's obviously it's in the shape of a diamond. So, um, in, in the loosest terms, if you go back to like little league or, or T-ball and you watch, you know, someone just hit the ball and, and it's a lot of fun to watch, but it's typically because nobody's very good at that age and there's nobody being able to catch the ball and throw the ball. So a lot of times you'll just see a kid hit and he'll just circle the bases and, and be done. So that's, that's the, really the premise is you want to get back to home plate. You have to touch each of the bases on the way, first base, second base, third base sequentially. And then you want to get back to home. If you get back to home and touch home plate, it's a run. And now there are other ways you can make it out. You can get tagged, meaning if the fielder has the ball in his glove and touches you with that ball when you're not standing on a base, you're out. For example, if you get a base hit, a single, for example, you hit the ball and you get on first base, you're typically going to stay there until there's another opportunity to run because if you just keep running, they're going to tag you and you're out. So that's sort of the simplest way to do it. Make a big loop around the bases, you score a run, and that, that's worth, they call it runs, but one point essentially in, in, in a baseball game. So another way to score is um, you hit the ball out of the stadium uh, over the fence in the outfield. That's called a home run where the hitter will literally just get to kind of jog around the bases, touch all the bases and touch home. That's worth, that's worth a run. If you hit it with a man on first base, you know, everybody that's on the bases, including the hitter get to come home and score a run. So grant what a grand slam is, is when the bases are loaded, there's a, there's a base runner on each base first, second, third, and the batter hits a home run. Uh, his team scores four runs. And so everybody comes home and touches the plate and that that's worth four runs. Obviously a big deal when you're trying to score as many runs as you can in a game. Are there any other terms that uh, in baseball that are really common that we probably haven't touched on? I know there's like walk-offs and bunts and some other fun terms. Is there any that are like worth knowing? Yeah. So a walk, a walk-off's a good one. So a walk-off is, is typically when, when you're the home team, because when you're the home team, you're the last one to bat in an inning. So essentially what a walk-off is, is the home team is tied or losing the game and they score the winning run in the bottom of the ninth inning or the bottom of the last inning. It can also be extra innings if it goes past the nine. So like a walk-off home run, for example, if it's a tie game, home team hits a home run in the bottom of the inning, game's over, they win. So it's, a, it's literally a kind of a walk-off, and then they say that because everybody walks off the field when it's, when it's over. So it's just a, essentially a game-winning hit. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of terminology we can kind of fall down that rabbit hole with, with all the, the baseball <laughs> idioms. We'll, we'll keep doing the basics, but it's good to know that there is a second episode here. <laughs> okay, I want to go a little bit over pitches. I've always found it very distracting when you see the umpire doing the little hand gesture and like the secret language with the pitcher. And I'm just like, when do they learn this? When do they decide these pitches? How do they know? Sure. The traditional pitches that a pitcher will use will be a fastball, uh, which is typically just a straight. To oversimplify it, it's a, it's a, it's a ball he throws straight, more, more or less, and he tends to try to throw it as hard as he can. There's a breaking ball, um, which can be a curveball or a slider, uh, and they both essentially have a little bend to them. So the way in which the pitcher holds the ball uh, in his fingers and the way in which he sort of cocks his wrist and releases the ball, the spin of that ball and the velocity of it tends to make the ball move a little bit more. And then there's a changeup, uh, which is essentially just a slower version of the fastball, uh, and it does have a little bit of typically downward movement to it. Gravity takes over a little bit because you're not throwing it quite as fast. And that's the, sort of the big premise of the changeup is to sort of disrupt the hitter's timing. Uh, so if he's looking for a faster pitch and it's slower, he's going to be out in front of it and his timing will be off. So those are the very basic pitches um, that you'll, you'll tend to see. There's a whole bunch more that, that guys can throw. 
um, the name of the game for the pitcher is to, to get the batter out. And a lot of that is either having him swing and miss or being able to throw enough strikes uh, exactly where you want to, where it's going to be difficult for him to hit it. Um, and then I guess the, the umpire's role in that equation is um, he stands behind the hitter and behind the catcher. And it's, it's his judgment of whether that ball uh, is a strike or a ball. Oh yeah. I totally meant to say catcher when I said umpires. So okay. That's on okay. <laughs> yeah. So the catcher, the catcher signals, uh, typically you'll see that when there's a runner on second base. So the runner on second base is located directly behind the pitcher and he's staring directly into home plate. So he can see the catcher and the hitter. And so um, typically the, the catcher will give signals. Traditionally, it's sort of, he puts down one finger. It's a fastball. He, t- he puts down number two or number three. It's usually a breaking ball. And he sort of, you see, if you ever see somebody sort of wiggle four fingers, that's sort of the, the sign for a changeup. So you can imagine if you're the runner at second base standing directly behind the pitcher, you can see everything the pitcher's seeing. So it would be easy to sort of relay that. He goes, hey, you know, he put number one. Here comes a fastball to the hitter. And the hitter has a huge advantage. So, which would be called sign stealing. Oh, so that's not allowed. You're not allowed to. Well, it's it's sort of a little bit of. There's been some controversy lately in the in the game about using some other methods to maybe steal those signs, some some technology. But typically, stealing signs in the game as a base runner, it's a little bit of gamesmanship, um, and it's sort of understood that the guy behind you is going to try to steal your sign. So that's why you'll typically see if there's a runner on second the catcher will use a series of signs. So he'll put down four or five, six different numbers or signs. And there's some indicator or sequence where the pitcher knows what he's putting down and and the runner doesn't. So it's all to disguise, you know, their intent, their strategy to try to get the next pitch past the hitter. There's some drama there I didn't know about. Cool. Uh, Well, let's switch over into professional baseball. I feel like a lot of this is, is coming from professional baseball. So we'll dive into that. Earlier, I introduced you um, that you had worked at the commissioner's office. I actually have no idea what that is. I just know that's like the big like office for Major League Baseball. So what is that? Yeah, so the commissioner's office is essentially the governing body for Major League Baseball. Um, it is quite literally the commissioner's You know, It's the office of the commissioner, technically, but it's quite literally his office. And then he has a whole bunch of people that work for him in different departments that essentially keep the game running. They, they do a whole bunch of things setting the schedule, determining the rules, making sure that people are in compliance with the rules. And it has typical departments in it as well, everything from HR to finance to legal. But, you know, obviously that's the, more of the business side of the game that sort of go into getting the guys on the field that you, that you watch on TV every night. You had mentioned uh, that they also take care of the schedule. Uh, so I know the, the big goal is to win the World Series, which I don't really understand because it's just within America, but you can touch on that if you want. Um, what exactly does a typical season look like? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great point that you call it a World Series, and some people think <laughs> that's a little little arrogant of, of Major League Baseball to, to term it that. Um, but, yeah, so a season uh, is typically 162 games. So it's, uh, at least to my knowledge, the longest season in professional sports. Uh, it typically starts – Spring training, um, which is sort of the preseason portion of, of the season, when guys get ready and uh, prepare for the season, that typically starts in February, and then that will last about six weeks and takes you right up until usually the first of April is usually when the season will start, and it runs all the way through September. So that that's 162 games of regular season, at which point the postseason or the playoffs start, and so the teams that qualify for the playoffs. So it's traditionally the winners of each division, as we talked about. So in the American League, you have the American League East, Central, and West. 
you know, the same thing in the National League. So those six division winners. And then relatively recently in the game history, there's what's called a wild card, which is essentially the best record of a team that did not win its division. That's sort of another way to kind of get into the into the playoffs. And then that's been expanded in the last couple of years to include two wild card teams. So it's essentially the two best teams that don't win their division. The postseason starts with a series of games between two teams that match up. It's typically, it starts with a, a five-game series. First to three wins the series and advances. Uh, and then it eventually progresses to a seven-game series. So you'll probably hear this here, game seven of the World Series. So the League Championship Series and the World Series are both seven games. And they alternate sites, who's hosting the game, who's home, who's away. And the first team to win four games in that series is crowned the winner. So if you win four games in the World Series, you're the, you are the World Series champion. And uh, you get to you know, hoist that big trophy over your head, which is what it's all about. That's a lot of games. Is that, that's not per team. That's like total, right? It's a, well, it's 162 games per team. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, so every team plays 162 games. The thing that I like about the length of the season, I suppose, is that compared to some other sports where if you get on a good four or five game stretch in football, you know, that's a, that's a quarter of your season. And so that can really, you know, swing the pendulum in your favor. And maybe a team that's maybe not so good on paper, so to speak, um, maybe wasn't expected to perform so well. They just kind of get hot for a little period of time and, and all of a sudden they wind up going to the playoffs. Whereas it's a lot harder to do that in baseball. You just have to get through a lot more games. So um, the cream tends to rise to the top, as they say. And, and um, I think baseball holds that true just because of the, the length of the season. Yeah. Okay, well, in order to get there, obviously the players need to be pretty good. So I'd love to talk about what it is that, as a pro scout, what it is that you look for. Um, so what are, I guess, typical statistics that you're looking for that you know are a sign that you're about to get a really great player? Sure. Yeah, so there's two different types. Well, there's more than two, but... There's what's called an, an amateur scout, which is responsible for a geographic portion of the country. So you have a state or a couple of states that you're responsible for covering, and you are uh, the evaluator of all amateur talent in that area. So typically high school, junior college, and college players. And so you're, you're scouting those players you know, who are 16, 17, 18 years old, 21 years old in college, to potentially draft them. And the dra- what the draft is is our player acquisition system on the amateur side of the game where every team gets a draft pick, you go through, you know, round after round after round, and the team gets to select which players they want to draft onto their roster. So that's in a nutshell, what an amateur scout does. What a professional scout does is we're responsible um, for evaluating the professional side of the game. So the major league level, which everybody knows about, and then there's the minor league level. Um, So what we do typically is we will evaluate players that may be available to acquire in a trade, or they may be what's called a free agent. So they are, their contract expires at the end of the current season and are then free to sign with any team they want. We're sort of assessing that talent in preparation for that potential acquisition. Typically, it's a different type of process when you're evaluating, obviously, a 17-year-old high school kid versus a 24-year-old major league player or, or minor league player. And so there's a lot of information out there. Um, we've undergone a little bit of an analytics revolution over the last five to 10 years. As scouts, our job, in my opinion, is to sort of lend a little bit more of the subjective evaluation of the player from our experience and from what we've seen over the years. What our eyes tell us about his physical traits and characteristics as opposed to maybe the statistics that he's generated. This is player X. We think he's, this is what he's done in the past. The real money lies in the question of what we think he's going to do in the future. So obviously the best 
indicator of future performance is, uh, you know, future behaviors is past performance. So the traditional uh, statistics that you see the back of the baseball card is, you know, so to speak, statistics that I grew up in as, as a kid, batting average, home runs, RBIs, things of that nature, they've been devalued over the last decade plus. So you look at things uh, like mechanics, how their body moves throughout the process of if it's a pitcher through his delivery, if it's a hitter, his swim path, things like that. So you look at things like physical strength and speed and size and agility. And, you know, another thing that, that I love about baseball that separates you from other, some other sports, typically speaking, uh, if you're big and fast and strong, you got a pretty good chance of being a pretty good football player. The same doesn't hold true for baseball. It's much more of a skilled um, and repetition sport where you have to sort of hone that over, over countless uh, repetitions. So um, it's similar to like a golf swing. Where there's very, very small little things that you can change um, that can make a big impact. Yeah, no, it sounds like things that would not fit on a baseball card. So that makes sense. <laughs> uh, okay, so I just have one last question. Um, but since we are talking about the success um, and stats and things like that, what are some iconic or legendary players? Maybe they've had an impact on you or just players that if we're stuck in a conversation and we like drop this person's name, then we sound like we know something. Yeah, no, that's a good question. <laughs> so um, I'd say probably the biggest name uh, in, the, in the history of the game is Babe Ruth. So he's probably the, the most well-known player in the history of baseball. And he was uh, notoriously traded from the Boston Red Sox, which is where he started, to their rival, the New York Yankees, you know, over 100 years ago. And then went on to become, was already a very good player, but then went on to become just a complete legendary hero of the game. Um, and it was for a long time the all-time home run uh, leader. And uh, as I know this as a, as a New England native. Uh, the Curse of the Bambino is what they called it because the Bambino was one of Babe Ruth's nicknames. The Yankees went on to win a whole bunch of World Series, and the Red Sox uh, did not win one for a long, long period of time uh, after trading Babe Ruth. So that's a little bit of the, the history and the lore of the game. Uh, Babe Ruth is probably the biggest name. I grew up uh, in Boston. My dad's favorite player was Ted Williams. Um, so I was always a big Ted Williams fan, one of the greatest hitters of all time. Obviously here in Atlanta, another one of my favorites and um, you know, has an incredible impact socially as well as just to the history of being a tremendous player is Hank Aaron. Uh, Hank Aaron actually went on to break Babe Ruth's home run record, uh, finished with 755 home runs, did so as an African-American man at a time of sort of social unrest. So has a lot of uh, historic and, and, and cultural significance as well for it. Um, so those are some Willie Mays is another all-time legend of the game. Um, so those are some of the all-time greats. Probably the, the best player currently is Mike Trout, uh, center fielder for the Angels out in Anaheim. Uh, if you're talking about current day, he, he's probably the name I'd throw out there if you're looking to sound like you know what you're talking about. Good. I, that was a great array. Nice variety. <laughs> Actually, I have to ask the dumbest question. You obviously brought up Babe Ruth. Why is his name the name of a candy bar? Is there any, was his favorite candy, the ingredients in it? Like, what was the deal? Do you know? You know, I don't know the, the true story, but um, yeah, I think it was just sort of a marketing thing. I mean, he was, you know, he was like bigger than the Beatles and the president at the time. Like he was the guy. He did, he became sort of this mythical figure and it, and it continues to grow over time. Um, you know, you look at a lot of these guys now and they're in, you know, ridiculous physical condition and shape. And they're big and strong and 
and you know they look like professional athletes and, and if you can go ahead and google a picture of babe ruth um not exactly the the picture of physical fitness he was a little portly and uh had a had a reputation for um you know living the nightlife and smoking cigars and eating hot dogs and drinking beer and so um you know he kind of took on this like sort of paul bunyan um, you know, mythical figure for a while. And so my guess is they were probably just trying to hitch their wagon to a really famous, probably the most famous guy in sports at the time and, and named a candy bar after. Glad I asked. Cause I mean, it was a dumb question and I could have just Googled it, but I really, I, you know, I, I think it's a great question. I never would have thought of that actually, but it's, it's a very good question. You know, it makes me think like, why don't all celebrities have their own candy, but whatever. We're- <laughs> you know, I think others have, I think there's been some other athletes that have had, um, I'm blanking on one, but I can think of one off the top of my head. And I can't remember who the athlete is, but there were, um, you know, certainly not the, to the, to the extent or the, the notoriety probably of a, of a baby Ruth, but I think people have tried to, reinvent that magic and i don't think it's uh worked quite as well and i don't know if that's because the candy bar is better or the player was better i don't know well thank you so much we've hit all of my questions that i had for this episode um, are there any final thoughts or any social media or anything like that you'd like to share no i've, I've enjoyed that uh, this has been a lot of fun i've enjoyed it um i'm sort of intentionally uh spartan in my social media presences i am on linkedin that's a, that's a place i found i can share some some interesting thoughts and, and connect with some people that are doing some interesting things professionally i'm always looking to you know learn and share and idea share with folks whether it's in, in sports or outside of sports so people can find me on there if they're interested and I uh, just appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being a part of the podcast. You really knocked it out of the park today. Don't hate me for saying that. I just really <laughs> like fans. Um, and thank you to all the fans of the podcast for tuning in. We will catch up with you next time. Is there another basic aspect of life that you cannot grasp? Send your topics to how did I get this far at gmail.com and tag at how did I get this far pod on Instagram with any helpful hacks. Well, that's as far as we will get for now. I'm Amanda Ogan. Thanks for listening.